0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio. All right, so here we are, another week. If you have any ideas on any products or services that you would like to hear on the show, you can email me at Consumer Review Report at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter, at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you went through the week and you had some kind of product or service that you would like to rave about, or a product or service that you did not like, uh, you can also email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, uh, at Consumer Review Report, and on Twitter, at CRR in Sports. Wow, what a heat wave we've been having lately, huh? Wow, it's good pool weather if you have a pool, so keep those kids safe. Watch those kids. We've been having uh, news reports about kids drowning in pools and that's not good, so if they really keep an eye on those kids especially, you know, in these uh, hot days when they will be in the pool, uh, keep an eye on them. Uh, also, um, what else has been going on this week? Mm, not sure. Nothing of note anyways, as far as any products or services, but there's something I want to talk about later in the show. Um, this week we'll be talking about subscription services. Um, they really seem to be getting out of control but from anything to watching your favorite TV shows or to like anything like restaurant deliveries or those food boxes that they'll deliver to your house, uh, it seems a consumer now has a choice. Uh, you can pay outrageous one-time fees uh, such as um, I guess Uber Eats will charge $5 for delivery but, but, but then you also have to tip the delivery driver so that could be like 10 bucks every time you get food delivered or you can pay a monthly subscription fee uh, but you know is it worth paying a monthly fee for these services I guess that depends on how often you would use those so we will talk more about that after we go through the weekly recalls so let's get to that All right, let's start with consumer products. Let's see, we're here, we're gonna start with K2 Sports. K2 Sports recalls inline skates due to fall hazard. The skate axle can become loose or a portion of the axle can shear off during use, resulting in a wheel separating from the skate's frame, posing a fall hazard. Vivo, or Vivo, V-I-V-O, recalls speaker wall mounts due to fall and injury hazards. The ledge on the front of the speaker wall mount can loosen, allowing both the ledge and the speakers to fall, posing an injury hazard to bystanders. Wintergreen essential oil recalled by Epic Business Services due to failure to meet child resistant closure requirement, risk of poisoning. The packaging is not child-resistant, as required by the Poison Prevention Packaging Act, posing a risk of poisoning to young children if they ingest it. Bodum recalls toasters due to shock hazard. The recalled toasters can leak electric current when operating at the maximum normal temperature, posing a shock hazard to consumers. And Factory Direct Wholesale recalls folding mattresses due to violation of federal mattress flammability standard. The mattresses uh, uh, fail to meet the mandatory federal flammability standard for mattresses, posing a fire hazard. Alright, so let's go on to the FSIS, Food Safety Inspection Service recalls, starting with... Field source food. Let's uh, get back to that. Alright, there we go. Lost uh, my place here on the uh, website. This is also, also, if you have any concern, if you have a any of these products, uh, you can go to www.recalls.gov. Click on the link and it'll tell you uh, exactly what product it is by lot number or date and uh what to do about it can you turn it in for a refund throw it away Uh, it'll tell you all that information if you're concerned that you have any of these products or uh, services mentioned in the recalls so here we go field source food systems inc recalls beef and poultry products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens field source food systems as Uh, recalling approximately 12,953 pounds of diced beef and chicken products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. Alright, right, so Koch Foods recalls breaded poultry products due to misbranding and undeclared allergen. Koch Foods is recalling approximately 743 pounds of fully cooked boneless chicken bites due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. The last FSIS recall, U.S. Food recalls raw beef and pork products due to possible product contamination. They are recalling approximately 743 pounds of fully cooked boneless chicken bites, uh, also due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. All right, so let's go ahead and we were going to do the FDA ones right now, so but I got to find it because I lost it somewhere. In <laughs> all these touching of the, uh, okay, here we go. When I touch something on the touch screen, it's really touchy. So it goes away sometimes. All right. Here we go. The most recent ones. Here, let me click on that. All righty. We have, um, Growers Express. Are recalling fresh vegetable products due to potential conami- contamination of listeria. Alright, so that's Growers Express fresh vegetable products. And then we have more of the um, eye products, the gels and the drops. Um, they're also the same product that we were mentioning last week from Alter Pharmaceuticals. Any eye gels or eye drops or eye rubs, whatever. They are recalling all of those due to lack of sterility assurance. They're not sure if it's sterile enough to put in your uh, eye. So they've been recalling those. And then we have PETA Pal Foods recalling hummus products. They are Buki's Fresh Time, Harris Teeter, and other uh, brands and they are recalling those due to potential listeria that's pita pal foods recalling hummus products and some of the brands are bookies b u c e e apostrophe s fresh time harris teeter and others all right and so we have more of the eye drops they're Acutome, focus laboratories grandol distributing and prestige. All these eye drops or eye gels um, they're recalling due to they're not sure if they're sterile enough to put in your eyes. So if you're you know going to your store and you're not finding your brand that's probably why. OcuSoft too, prescription, over-the-counter, eye products. Uh, also Altair Pharmaceuticals is recalling that brand as well for the same reason. Uh, Wismatic Asian Foods is recalling fish cake products and the uh, brand is shirakiku that's s-h-i-r-a-k-i-k-u they're recalling those fish cake products due to undeclared allergens like milk egg and crustacean shellfish so if you're allergic to those they might be in there and so they're recalling those Okay, more of the eye products, natural uh, OptiMix, TRP, and Target. Those are also being recalled uh, due to lack of sterility assurance. Uh, North Fork Fork Bison Distributions is recalling bison burgers and bison ground... I guess you don't call it beef, but ground bison... Okay, so those brands, North Fork Bison Distributions. They are recalling Bison Burgers and Ground Bison because it has the potential to be contaminated with E. coli. Uh, That's a medical device for home use. Alaris, Alaris Pump Model 8100, 8100, and certain Alaris Pump Infusion Sets they are recalling those because weakening of the plastic can lead to damage or separation of the bezel posts which can cause issues with infusion or unintended delivery of medication when pump models are not running or er, not in running status. Uh, some prescription drugs and uh, ragu pasta sauce. Uh, they're being recalled because it can be contaminated with some plastic fragments. So Ragu Pasta Sauce is being recalled. And then we have Elevation Foods LLC uh, is recalling brand names Archer Farms and Frisket. And the product is egg salad, tuna salad, Thai lobster salad, and deviled egg sandwiches. They're recalling those due to possible contamination with Listeria. All right, so that will do it. That will do it for our recall uh, segment of the show. So let's go ahead and uh, start the main attraction, if you will, which is the subscription services. I've been reading a lot about, uh, especially the video streaming and the uh, delivery People, they've been going head to head trying to get certain products on their list of deliveries. And I guess why I'm paying more attention to this is because once these subscription services get the one thing, uh, like for example... I've been noticing my favorite shows being distributed to different video apps such as Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, NBC Streaming, etc. And so, you know, I've been subscribed to Netflix um, since they delivered DVDs to the mailbox, which was ages ago. And so, you know, I have uh, one show that I really like, which is The Office. And Obviously, everybody else likes it too because it's a pretty popular show. Uh, they've had it on there, but now you know I uh, I was reading an article that in 2020 The Office will no longer be on Netflix but on NBC streaming. So let me just go over this article here. Uh, the Office to leave Netflix after 2020 as NBC Universal announces exclusive streaming rights. The streaming wars see another casualty as one of Netflix's most watched series is forced off the service. This is written by Ben Travers. This was written in June tw- uh, June 25th, 2019. And this is uh, IndieWire. Indie That's the article. Uh, the office is leaving Netflix officially after 2020, starting in 2021. The only destination to watch online Will be via NBC Universal's yet unnamed streaming platform. So, this is another video streaming app that's being added to all those other ones I have just mentioned, like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu. And then, you know, you have to have subscription services to those, right? To be able to watch the shows. NBC Universal made the announcement Tuesday afternoon, confirming the long feared yet largely inevitable result. As more and more streaming services are announced and more and more profits stem from demand for popular pre-existing properties along with new must-watch originals, it was only a matter of time before The Office moved to its producer's streaming home. The Office has become a staple of pop culture and is a rare gem whose relevance continues to grow at a time when fans have more entertainment choices than ever before. Um... You know, so NBC Universal says that we can't wait to welcome the gang from Dunder Mifflin. Netflix has been preparing for this eventuality. The streaming giant with more than 148 million worldwide subscribers has been ramping up original content in recent years in the hopes of establishing its own stable of Moss TV. A few originals have appeared to make a dent in that regard, including Stranger Things, Ozark, and The Crown, but many of their popular shows have a limited lifespan or are already ending. Series like Orange is the New Black, Making a Murderer, 13 Reasons Why, and the Marvel series are all ending or already on the outs. And now I have to say that I watch none of those. I don't watch the original... uh, The original... uh, productions that Netflix does I mostly want to watch movies and of course the office but you know I I don't know I just haven't been able to get interested in the um, these original shows that they've been making Uh, so that isn't really a draw for me either now if they get rid of the movies then I probably drop the Netflix uh, subscription because there's nothing else for me to watch on there, <coughs> and most of my t v watching is recording d v r recordings from t v so I don't really watch anything well i we have Amazon prime, but that's not why we have amazon prime is to watch uh shows we have it for the other reasons but other- other than that, I have no use for these subscription um uh you know, video apps, and so, except for sometimes I want to watch a movie or watch The Office or something like that. Uh, So they're saying that Netflix also confirmed The Office's departure with a tweet of its own pointing out that the series will still be available ad-free until 2021. Uh, still, NBCU stood to make quite a lot of money if they continued to license the office to Netflix. Uh, Friends, another popular series licensed to Netflix from Warner Brothers, saw its deal extended to the tune of $100 million back in 2018, extending the series' run on Netflix through the end of this year. Most expect Warner Media to maintain exclusive rights following 2019, however, meaning... Netflix will lose two of its big-ticket comedies in the span of two years. Those considering adding NBCU's streaming service will be doing so well after they're asked to purchase plenty more content hubs. In addition to Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, among other existing streamers, Disney Plus is set to launch in November 2019. Apple TV Plus will debut in fall 2019. And WarnerMedia's streaming service is set to launch in the fourth quarter of 2019 as well. NBCU's... Uh, and that's all I have. All right, so... <laughs> and that is all I have, so... I guess my point being is that if you if you have favorite shows they're going to be distributed amongst all of these streaming video platforms and are you going to pay 10 bucks for this one and 10 bucks for that one and 10 bucks for this one and 10 bucks for that one just to see that one show I mean it's it's ridiculous and it's not like these like video services have a choice Um, as to whether you can just pay a one-time fee to see an episode of The Office, or no, you have to do a subscription to see any of that. So I don't know. I don't know how you could spread your money all over the place like that. But uh, And then here's another example of this. I was reading in the July 17th Wall Street Journal, written by Heather Haddon, that McDonald's deal with DoorDash delivers blow to Uber Eats. Now, these are more subscription services. And I do remember Uber Eats was delivering McDonald's. But I guess McDonald's decided to do DoorDash instead. Now, anybody who had a subscription to Uber Eats now will no longer be able to get a McDonald's delivery. So, and then, of course, you probably have other... Um, other restaurants you might like but maybe you had a very favorite one and that's why you signed up with uber eats but then all of a sudden that restaurant decides to go to another you know delivery company now what are you supposed to do you know keep your subscription to uber eats uh, pay another subscription service i mean it's just ridiculous so here's the um Article in the Wall Street Journal, McDonald's deal with DoorDash delivers blow to Uber Eats. The move comes as companies jockey for share in the fast-growing business to deliver food to customers' homes and offices. DoorDash Inc. will start delivering from McDonald's restaurants in Houston later this month, a blow to Uber Technologies' relationship with the burger giant as the only company currently faring its food to customers in the U.S., the move comes as companies, including Uber, Uber Eats, Jockey for Share in the fast growing business to deliver food, and investors have poured money into startups, including DoorDash and Arrival Postmates Inc., which filed earlier this year to list its shares publicly. DoorDash uh, was recently valued at $13 billion. so DoorDash and McDonald's said. Tuesday that the delivery company would pick up orders from 200 Houston area restaurants starting July 29th. DoorDash will add McDonald's to its subscription service with nearly a million members paying $9.99 a month for free delivery and lower service fees on orders of at least $12. The partnership will likely expand nationally later this year if it succeeds in Houston. So, wow. I mean, so now, you know, you, one one company had McDonald's, and now not so much. So all those people pay ninety nine nine ninety nine for maybe they enjoyed getting deliveries from McDonald's. Now they they cannot get the delivery anymore. They might have other restaurants that they enjoy, but maybe they have a favorite that's not there anymore. I mean, I always think about, you know, how when we used to buy albums or CDs where you would buy the album CD and you would only like maybe one or two songs on there out of like 10 or 12, however many songs that were on the albums, you would buy a whole album just to listen to one or two songs out of that. So to me, that's like a waste of money and that's how I equate these subscription services it's like you maybe you have one or two restaurants that you really like and the rest not so much and so you're going to pay nine ninety nine dollars a month and then you've got to still tip the delivery person when they come to deliver the uh, food and uh, you know maybe you don't even use it that often maybe you only use it once a month uh, I don't know if it's worth it but um, so why don't we find out um uh if let's see i have a video clip here that's uh that um is entitled Sus- subscription services do you use them and so we have a series of video clips about the subscription services and you know is it uh, worth your time and your money to even belong to all these. I mean, they even have advertisements on TV about how to consolidate them. If you have like multiple subscription services, how to keep track of what payments going out when. And, <laughs> yeah, it sounds very confusing. So why don't we listen to subscription services? Do you use them?
1: Here's another topic I talk about quite a bit on my live webcast. Subscription services. Oh joy, I've never been a huge fan of subscribing to a service. Uh, I'm more of the kind of guy that would just like to pay up front and keep the product. Now, especially as of late, a lot of companies are switching this to be a subscription only model. For example, Adobe. So I'm kind of forced to use some subscription services. Stepping back and looking at the big picture, I seem to gravitate towards purchasing and owning things under a certain license as opposed to subscribing. So here's some examples. I do have a Netflix subscription, I won't lie, even though I just recently renewed it. I went without it for a while. But I also like using iTunes. So on iTunes, you pay for your content a la carte, but on Netflix, you subscribe and pay a monthly fee. So overall, you'll probably save more money on Netflix. That's the big pro there. And the con with iTunes is you're gonna be spending more money. However, with iTunes, if you purchase something, you keep it. Even if for some reason it gets removed from the store, you can still keep it. You can even download it to your computer and save that because you bought it. With Netflix, it's like you're renting an apartment. You're a little more confined to the rules of the landlord. You can subscribe to Netflix, but if they update their catalog and there's a show you like watching, it may go away. But that's the price you pay for paying less money. And you can't necessarily keep the content or download it to your computer. You can stream it in a browser, yes, but you can't download it and save it, and if the content gets removed in a catalog update, you're out of luck. Also, the other thing with Netflix is, content usually comes out later. With iTunes, stuff is usually available right away, but you'll be paying a pretty penny for that that's the price you pay. When it comes to software, it's kind of similar. Adobe recently, for the past couple years, has done the Creative Cloud subscription method, which we're kind of forced to use because I use Adobe software all the time, so it is what it is. It is kind of nice being able to stay subscribed and just get the updates when they come out. I won't argue that, that's one thing I do like. But overall, I just like paying for the software straight up. And that's what Apple does with Final Cut Pro. I paid one fee years ago and got all the upgrades for free and didn't have to subscribe to anything. Now Apple can kind of get away with that because they make so much money from hardware so they don't need to charge as much for software. For Adobe, it's quite the opposite. So from a business perspective, I understand. The other thing about some subscription services is that you're also locked into a contract, like cell phone carriers, what they do. Uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, I believe there's some contract where you have to pay a certain amount of months before you can cancel. So that's another area where they get you. So overall, you know, they both have their pros and cons, but I tend to gravitate towards paying for something rather than subscribing to something. And that also happens with real world items that are physical, not software or movies. I'd rather buy a condo, for example, as opposed to rent. I would have a little more flexibility and I can get a return on my investment and possibly break even when I sell the place or make some profit. With renting, You're just shoveling money into a hole. But then you can also flip it a little bit and say with renting, you pay less money up front, and for a condo, you'd probably pay a 20% down payment. Exactly. You know, it's just whatever works with your financial situation. So let me know what you guys think. Do you prefer subscription services or not? And if you liked what we talked about today, feel free to leave us a like down below and show your support. And if you have any future topics you'd like us to talk about, believe me, I'm sure there's a bunch out there,
0: Okay, so that was posted by the Computer Clan. So he gave some compelling, uh, you know, pros to subscription services. Like, uh, I never thought about that, that, you know, he equated it to renting. Like, if you rent an apartment, yes, you're given money, but and you have some conveniences um, back to you, but basically you're just flushing the money down the toilet, you're not getting like a product back. Uh, So I never thought about it like that. That's a good way to think about it. So I have another video clip here, why everything is a subscription. And this was posted by The Verge. Uh, So let's take a listen as to why everything is a subscription.
2: You know, when you show up and you're like, well, where's your business plan? You're like, well, we're still robots And they're like, get out, right? (laughs) Like, this needs to be a lot more clear than that. We were sitting with one of these well-respected
3: funds and my co-founder was running late. We were very nervous to meet them. Overall, um, I remember the part of being very interested in the technology we were building, um, the problem. Um, he was, you know, taking lots of notes and I remember getting an email after the meeting and the email basically said something along the lines of like, love the product, it's a worthy pursuit, but we're not really interested unless you have a path to a recurring revenue stream of some sort. I think it's
4: always risky to change the business model, right? If you think about Adobe, when they switched from buy once and own it to essentially renting the software, people were up in arms, because it felt like a a betrayal, right? It felt like a real betrayal, like at some point you were able to own the software, and now you had to rent the software from them.
5: Making just a gadget doesn't cut it anymore. Hardware creators have to not only build a brilliant tech product, but also find a sustainable business model that keeps cash flowing in long after people buy a device. Subscription plans are everywhere. But why are they so prevalent and so important to hardware startups now?
2: We literally needed probably $100 million. So that's like the thing that nowadays we've raised about 170. But at the very beginning, we raised one. And then we did five and then 5, and then 10, and then 50, and a lot more, but it was very incremental. It was like, let us me see if you can make this at all.
5: Adam Wilson is one of the co-founders of Sphero, a connected toy company that makes programmable robots. You've probably heard of them. The company came up through an accelerator called Techstars, which forced them to hone their business and think about how it could be sustainable. Although the company still sells one-off robots to people like you and me, that's only part of their business. Sphero has an entire team that's dedicated to selling robots to schools on a recurring basis.
2: Um, We usually do one 30-pack per school, sometimes more if it's like a school that will be doing it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why the 30-pack needed to come in sort of like a little pelican case with wheels that plugs into the wall for all of them. Because we realized, again, if you ever watched or had to help a teacher... That was a thing, get involved with it for real. But we had to help teachers carry 30 of these boxes from this class to this class Mm -hmm. and then get them all out and charge (laughs) them. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like there's no way this will work, right?
5: How many schools are you in? Uh,
2: About, what, 40,000 now. Oh, my gosh. We're in quite a bit of schools. Uh, That's worldwide. So how do we make it so, A, you can get professional development on this? Because that was a huge question. was like, that's great. Like, how do i teach this mm-hmm. and so professional development is a good recurring revenue um we do have a program sort of the unlimited program so here's your thing of 30 if any of them break for any reason we'll replace any of them all the time
5: have you guys like pitched investors since education became a big part of your business
2: it's changed a lot when we first started we got laughed out of a lot of rooms right we're just it was none of this other cool stuff no education just hey man we want to make a robot ball, and you connect it to an iPhone, and that's the that's the product. And you know, a lot of people did not un- like. What is that? I don't get it. And a lot of investors nowadays want to see a reoccurring revenue model because hardware sales are very very challenging. Businesses with the best
3: economics are subscription businesses because there's this low, um, you know, cost to acquire the user, and then you're making money on a recurring revenue basis on that existing sunk cost. And the successful businesses we've looked at in this space, it's always been, you know, hardware sort of this Trojan horse for a software play of some sort. Link is what we affectionately call a people compass. And what that means is anywhere in the world, if you have one and I have one, It's going to give you a really simple arrow and distance that updates in real time. We're working with ski resorts, music festivals, amusement parks, and we recently launched a successful Indiegogo campaign. We hit 1.7 million in revenue in two months and sold 20,000 units in under 60 days. Because Link is unique in the sense that we are independent from phones or networks or, or, or apps or anything of that nature, we had to be a little more clever or creative about how we got to that recurring revenue and that's where that rev share model came about where we're licensing the hardware and then rev sharing on the rentals to the end customer.
5: Both Link and Sphero found a way to keep the cash coming in but finding the best business model for them wasn't obvious. Haya Camps is the director of portfolio at Bolt a hardware oriented venture capital firm. He advises companies on how to make their businesses work and how to make themselves profitable.
4: I think really what you're End up looking at with with any business is how much money does it cost you to acquire a customer now for some for some companies that might be a hundred dollars right so you spend a hundred dollars to get a customer you haven't made any money yet the second part of that equation is how much money is that customer ultimately going to spend on your company right so if you spend a hundred dollars to acquire a customer and you make eighty dollars you've lost 20 bucks one half of that equation is usually known as cac or the uh, customer acquisition cost The other half of that is the lifetime value or LTV. And really what you try and do is to have a lifetime value of a customer that is big enough to be a significant multiple over your customer acquisition cost. And if that works, then basically you've you've made
5: it. Basically what Haya is saying is that it could take a hundred dollars worth of Facebook, Instagram, and Subway ads to finally convince someone to buy a new $300 coffee maker. That $200 of revenue is about as much as the coffee company is going to get out of that customer, maybe forever. People don't upgrade their coffee makers that often, and therefore, these coffee companies need a way to get a more steady revenue. So, that coffee maker company could sell proprietary coffee pods which are required to use the Maker, and that serves as its recurring revenue source. And it's that additional revenue that eventually makes up for that initial $100 ad spend and then keeps cash flowing in. So to bring it back to Spiro and Link, they both found a different way to get that recurring revenue. Sphero's education market allows them to sell robots to schools, while Link takes advantage of a revenue sharing option by working with amusement parks and other big spaces that license the devices from the company and then share the profit they receive when customers rent them. Basically, companies have gotten creative.
4: I think in the hardware space, there's a couple of kind of companies that have really, really made it. I think Peloton is a really, really good example of that. For one thing, because it was a weird idea, right? It's like, it's an exercise bike. Are people really going to spend two grand, two and a half grand, whatever it is, on an exercise bike? And on top of that, spend 40, 50 bucks on a subscription every month to be able to ride that bike you've already bought. It was a huge gamble. The thing that was actually turned out to be really interesting is that if you think about the $400 exercise bike you can go to Costco and buy versus a Peloton, yeah, the Peloton is nicer, but ultimately you get the same exercise. So the real value from Peloton came from the content. Uh, and. I mean, I'm a massive media nerd. I think content is really important. And I think that is a way to build a real relationship with your customers. And so what they discovered was, we're not a competitor to the, the $500 Costco bike. We are a competitor to spin classes, to SoulCycle, to all those kind of things. And so if we want to replicate the SoulCycle experience, it isn't the bike that makes it good. It is the fact that there's somebody at the front of the room pushing you that over time you build a relationship with, who points at you and goes, Hiya, you can do better. Or, yes, I can do better. And you know, you, you work a little bit harder. And what they were very, very good at doing was replicating that experience in the home.
5: Armed with its subscription plan, Peloton is now reportedly looking to go public with an IPO. It's said to be worth at least $8 billion and to be profitable, all thanks to that recurring revenue. It's obvious why investors want to see that constant cash flow. It ensures they'll make more than they invested in the first place.
2: As a person who does invest and I have you know other things that look, look to investment, if you don't have that reoccurring revenue, you are literally gonna you know spend a certain amount of money per robot or per device or whatever it is to sell them, right your market cost. And currently in this world, That plus the builder materials for any hardware is usually about the price that you can sell it for. So without.
0: Okay, so that gives you an idea on why everything's turning to subscription services because obviously the the companies can make more money if you pay uh, money monthly, like cable companies. You know, you pay the cable companies monthly. And they get that steady revenue month after month, after you know, from millions and millions of customers. So, now that we've seen it from the business side of things, um, I have a video clip how subscription services are ruining your life. This was posted by Techno Eclipse. So, let's take a listen.
6: The Netflix subscription service is ruining everything, and I'll explain. But first, I'm Scott with Techno Eclipse, don't forget to check the links out down below for a lot of fun and interesting things. So how is Netflix ruining everything? We live in an age of subscriptions. Wherever you look, whenever you scroll on your phone, whenever you click on an ad on YouTube, it more times than not seems to be a subscription service and I blame Netflix. Netflix was founded in 1997, and it originally was a way for consumers to order their DVDs instead of having to go to like a Blockbuster or even like Redbox and go get their DVDs. They could have it sent to their house and not be charged late fees, they could pretty much just keep it as long as they want and then eventually send it back. It was little more than just a blip on the radar compared to other companies such as Apple and Blockbuster. Apple offering iTunes and all of their awesome movie and TV show selections that you could pay for and then download and then you would own them and then Blockbuster obviously you could walk into the store, rent a VHS or DVD or a video game, I know I did that a couple of times and it was a really cool service but Netflix was pretty much non-existent. I know my mom actually was one of the first people to get it because she liked having DVDs just sent to the house, watch it as long as she wants, and then send it back when she was done. But that pretty much all changed in 2007 when Netflix introduced their streaming service to the masses. And now this was not something that we had seen before from pretty much any company. You either owned the item or you rented it from somebody with a time frame in mind. So for example, you either purchased the show The Office from Apple, or you walked into Blockbuster, rented the full season of The Office, got it back home watched it for however many days it took you to watch it and return it giving them your money and also giving them their dvd now there was no service where you could turn on your computer and instantly start watching it youtube was in its infancy at this time so there really wasn't any streamable content until netflix released their streaming service in 2007. it was a simple idea pay monthly and be able to watch all the tv shows, movies, stand-up comedy, etc that you want. No added charges for keeping it for too long or watching the show too many times. You can either watch the movie two times or you could watch it 222 times in the month and no matter what, your cost would remain the same. Slowly but surely, larger companies began to catch on to this trend that Netflix was doing. Obviously, as we know, Netflix put Blockbuster and Family Video and all of those rental VHS DVD stores. They essentially are all out of business. But then larger companies started to notice, such as Apple, offering their Apple Music subscription plan. HBO offering their subscription plan. Amazon Prime offering their subscription plan. Larger and larger companies started to notice this and taking advantage of the subscription model. Essentially paying a lot less than you normally would to consume a lot more content, but really paying almost more over time due to the fact that you only watch a certain number of shows or movies, but this grew beyond digital media and out of Silicon Valley, and soon you started seeing different companies popping up everywhere. You wanna eat healthy food? Try HelloFresh. You wanna work out at home? Beachbody on demand. You wanna get a package faster than you can blink? Amazon Prime. You want your clothes clean? Try Cleanly, a clothes cleaning service. Is going to the store too much to go get some razors? You gotta have somebody open that up for you? DollarShaveClub.com. Have you heard of them? I know I have from every single YouTuber pretty much ever. You wanna learn something online? Speaking of every YouTuber ever, try Skillshare. You wanna build a website? Try Squarespace. All of these companies are built on a subscription based model where you pay month to month month. A subscription-based model is not a new thing. TV and phone have been doing this for years, but in my opinion, Netflix popularized it and this isn't necessarily a good thing. And I was actually playing a fun little game while I was researching some information for this video. There is literally a subscription service to help you manage your subscription services. You could pretty much search everything and there'll be a subscription service for it. Do You want a subscription for technology? There's a box for that. Do you want a subscription for probably air? I guarantee you can get that. Do You want some water? You can get a subscription for that. Literally Every product, every digital product you could ever want, any physical thing you could ever want, there is literally a subscription service for that. And now I'm not saying all subscription services are inherently bad. They're not. Some of these are great. I mean, honestly, probably one of the best subscription services that you could ever put your money towards is my Patreon link down below. I'm so sorry for that one. But you need to be careful when talking about subscription services because the cost really start to add up very, very quickly. First Netflix, 10 bucks. Then Hulu because they have your show right after it premieres. Another 10 bucks. Don't forget YouTube TV because you got to watch the game live 50 bucks. Apple Music, how are you gonna listen to music? You can't just buy it, gotta stream it. 10 bucks. BarkBox, your dog needs new toys, 20 bucks. HelloFresh, you gotta eat food, right? 80 bucks. Threadbeast, because your 25 outfits just aren't enough, 85 bucks. Amazon Prime, because two day shipping, $10 a month or $120 annually. Dollar Shave Club, because YouTubers told me, 15 bucks, Skillshare, because the same YouTubers told me again. 15 bucks to Techno Eclipse Patreon. Well, this is, this is the only one that's like important. 10 bucks. You can quickly see how this can get out of hand very, very rapidly. If you take all of those subscriptions over the course of an entire year, that's almost $4,000 annually. That's a ton of money. For the median income, that's close to almost 10% of what the average American brings home. This is a lot of money and this is the new form of getting money from people. With companies releasing more and more subscription services. Apple is, that's just what they are. It's Apple subscription, not Apple computers. They're releasing Apple TV Plus, the new Apple News where you can pay monthly for the subscription for multiple different magazines and newspapers. The Apple App Store subscription. This hasn't been released yet, but you can pay and you'll get some type of benefit for that. Disney is going to be releasing their own streaming service. These companies are sucking money from you any which way they can, and they know a subscription service is one of the best ways to do so. Because it's a lot easier to stomach 10 bucks a month as opposed to 120 bucks annually. It's a lot easier to stomach, oh, 80 bucks here, it's groceries, I need groceries. You're only getting like a few meals for that. So at the end of the day, it's not really saving you that much money. Really what you need to be careful about is where you're spending your money and how quickly these subscription services add up. All I ask is that you be mindful of what you're spending your money on because at the end of the day, you're the only one that controls it. But once you set up those automatic payments, it's very 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 difficult to catch your subscription services it's tough to remember what you're paying for I know sometimes I'll check it and I'll be like oh my gosh I'm still paying for that and I have to delete it because I have to be very very careful about what I spend my money on because these companies once you get the automatic payment set up it just pulls from your account monthly whether you want it to or not so thank you again for watching the video I'm Scott with TechnoEclipse. again if you like the video don't forget
0: All right, so that gives you a little bit about what I was talking about. As a matter of fact, I thought it was funny that he mentioned air because I always thought, you know, the government would find a way to tax the air we breathe. But it looks like maybe a a private company will figure out how to subscribe to us the air that we breathe for $10 a month. So I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) So anyways, let's go on to our next video clip. Uh, Subscription Affliction. Everything is $10 a month. We may not be able to finish this in the time allotted, but you go to YouTube. It's called Subscription Affliction. Everything is $10 a month, but uh, it was posted by Polymatter. So let's take a listen.
7: If you watch movies, listen to music, or own a phone, you're probably familiar with subscriptions. At least your wallet is, which, for companies, are pure gold. Or green, I guess. Instead of selling you today and tomorrow and next week, they only need to convince you once and the money keeps coming, a steady, predictable stream of revenue. Because each customer is so valuable, they can focus more on keeping them than doing anything and everything to get more. But it's no longer just newspapers and magazines. Now, it's everything. Music, movies, food, games, storage, clothes, razors, makeup, software, cars, animal, bones? Seriously, Bonebox includes various osteological specimens, such as skulls, claws, and teeth, for just $24.99 a month. Okay? Why does every business need to be a subscription? Where does it end? Let's divide subscriptions into two categories. Services like Netflix, Prime, Loot Crate, and Spotify kinda have to be subscriptions. Sure, you can buy music and movies individually, but here you get everything. 40 million songs on Apple Music times the usual $1.29 would be 51 million dollars. So yeah, subscription boxes, which send you new things in the mail every month, are services because they're more about fun and surprise than the stuff itself. And then there are products, things that could be sold but here are rented. And this is where things get hairy. You don't have to be a master Googler, or binger, or DuckDuckGoer, but boy do those sound awkward, to find a million and a half people criticizing this business model. But it's not actually subscriptions they're angry about, nobody's complaining about Netflix or Spotify, it's really the second category, especially software. When companies want to reach in your wallet, every month until you die, for what could be a simple, one-time purchase, it feels a lot like a cash And sometimes, it totally is. Adobe switched to a monthly fee, precisely to increase profit. But it's not always so simple. Even when they seem unnecessary, subscriptions can be good for everyone, including you and I. Companies usually don't explain why, and when they do, it's easy to see as just an excuse to make more money. But there is a why. And since my thing is taking complicated, controversial topics and trying to explain them in too little time, let's get to it. The idea of a rental is nothing new. We rent apartments and cars and, if you live in Alaska where there are still six blockbusters, movies. Hashtag someone tell Alaska about Netflix. But nobody wants to rent, say, their lamp. When you don't have to, why would you? Owning is just simpler and, usually, cheaper. Losing what we already own is especially frustrating. Apps like Ulysses and Autodesk were a one-time purchase, then one day you get an email. I know you already bought this, but if you want to keep getting updates, Now, it costs $5 a month. Okay, thanks, bye. Ulysses was absolutely flooded with one-star reviews, probably the most life the Mac App Store has ever seen, and 50,000 people signed a Change.org petition against Adobe, which, as we know, is very effective at spamming your email. But here's the problem. The way most people think about software just isn't realistic. Remember that lamp? What if every year you got this pop-up? Hey, you need to update to a new version of your house. If you don't, it'll be vulnerable to burglars. Sometimes it goes smoothly, sometimes it permanently changes your wall sockets. Maybe to these cute little ones from Denmark. And you think, what the heck? I bought that lamp, and now it's suddenly incompatible with my house for reasons completely beyond my control? The house is your operating system. The lamp, your software. Programming may seem like build- once collect profit forever, but if an app isn't updated, it dies. Technology just moves way too fast. Knowing this, do you really want to own that lamp? Truly owning software means owning all its bugs and future incompatibility. Maybe your answer is yes, we'll get to that later. But me, if I really depend on something and there's a chance it'll break in a year, well, I'd rather rent it from someone who maintains it. Fixing bugs is like Sisyphus endlessly pushing his boulder up the mountain only for it to fall back down. You can't expect developers to do that forever just because you gave them 99 cents 3 years ago. You might say, obviously these apps don't need subscriptions because they did just fine before, but the truth is, they mostly didn't. Big companies always find a way to earn a profit. Adobe has the power and prominence to ask $53 a month, and make billions doing it. But many apps, some of the best apps, are made by a single person, or a small team of them. They compete with 2-3 million others, and a feeling that if you can't hold something, it shouldn't cost anything. So unless you trademark the word candy, seriously that actually happened, or spend millions advertising, your sales look like this. A huge spike in the beginning, maybe some seasonal bumps. And then, almost nothing. You might make half your salary on the first day, but by the 20th or 50th, things don't look so good. So you have a few options. You can get more customers, do some marketing, keep updating the app, and cross your fingers. Or, more accurately, pray to the app store gods. Sometimes this can work, but the app store isn't like YouTube, doing everything it can to bring audiences to your videos. Right, YouTube? Even a great app can get stuck in a corner and never be found. And eventually, everyone who needs your app will already have it, plenty of happy customers, and no more income for you. Or, if sales are so good at the beginning, just release as many paid updates as possible. Again, sometimes it works, but it can also be a dangerous trap, because the incentive is to release as many paid updates as you can. Just enough new features to make people pay, but not so many that you can't do it again in a few months. And sooner or later, it'll be good enough for 99% of us. But hey, gotta keep making money, so you'll keep cramming in new unnecessary features. That was Microsoft Office. What I ask from Word is pretty basic. When I press a key on my keyboard, I want that same letter to show on my screen. take notes MacBook Pro Keyboard. And I guess fonts and tables and images are cool too. But I have absolutely zero need for 3D pie charts or smart tags or research tools or a talking paperclip. Actually I take that last one back, Clippy. Office was so profitable, Microsoft just kept adding and adding and adding, until it forgot Word is just, you know, a place to write stuff. At this point, I'll just use Google Docs, where I actually know what the buttons do do. For many apps, neither option is sustainable. And even if you feel zero sympathy for developers, it's in your best interest to find a solution. Because if you rely on an app for your business or hobby or security, you want to incentivize its developer to care just as much as you do. We can say companies should update their apps forever, and always answer support tickets, or we can design a system where they actually want to. For many apps, that's a subscription, taking what you would've paid up front and handing it out over time if developers want to keep getting paid they want to keep you happy over time subscriptions cost more but for that you're guaranteed updates and support and compatibility plus it rewards the apps you use the longest in some industries these better incentives are even more desperately needed for news companies the goal is more clicks
0: all right so if you want to hear more about that um that was subscription affliction everything is $10 a month it was posted by polymatter on youtube so you can go ahead and find that there all right so we're coming to the close of our show if you have any ideas on any products or services you would like to hear on the consumer review report you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also at Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you want to have any comments about what you just heard on today's show, you can also email me at Consumer Review Report at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. And if you have a product or service you would like to rave or to complain about, you can also email me at Consumer at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. So this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM internet radio. I'm Diane Rebecca wishing everyone a safe, And good week.